You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Wouldn't it be great if there was some way of working out just how good your relationship is, whether your relationship is going really well? Uh, I know people, some people are looking at me and going, can't you just ask? Can't you just talk? But I'm a bloke. Uh, so I'd like a kind of an independent, verified way, like a, a little uh, machine that told me whether the relationship was at an 8 or a 9 or whether it was at a 2. Uh, this may just be a me thing, I don't know. Uh, but I'd find that really helpful. How do you know that gold is genuine? One of the ways uh, a wonderful invention is by using a touchstone. Gold will leave a mark on a touchstone if you rub the gold on the touchstone and there are different grades of gold will leave different shades of gold on the touchstone. So you can rub the ring on the touchstone and compare it and know exactly how genuine uh, your ring is. Well, that would be fantastic. It's even more important if uh, you're wondering if a relationship is genuine. Do you really have a true relationship? And it's most important if you wonder if you've got a true relationship with God. How can I know that I know God? How can I be sure that I know God? Well, it's a big question for the people to whom John was writing. Uh, We're looking at the letter of John, 1 John, uh, chapter 2. You can find it on page 989 of your pew Bibles. And it might be worth grabbing that and opening your Bibles to that page, 989, and have a look at the words John has written. He's uh, writing to a group of people in the same town, probably Ephesus, who are claiming to be followers of Christ. And uh, there's a group of people who have come in, they're claiming to be followers of Christ, but they're a little bit different. Uh, You can hear their talk all the way through the passage. Verse 4, I know him, I know Jesus, they say. Verse 6, they boast, I abide in him, I live in Jesus. In verse 9, they say, I am in the light. I know God. They talk a good talk. They claim to be followers of Christ, but are they, are they really? They seem to be teaching some things that the Apostle John uh, said differently. Who's right? Who's the genuine article? How can you know of all the many people who are talking about God in the world, who's telling you things that are true and right. Who really knows God? And what's the test? Is there a touchstone? Well, the elderly Apostle John, who had seen Jesus with his own eyes and touched him and heard his voice, he said, there's a very simple test, really. It's not a theological examination, although uh, theology and doctrine is important. Uh, It's not how regular you go to church, though, of course, that's a reasonably good thing to do too. No, it's a simple test. And it's found in verse 3. And like the touchstone, it's actually the mark that is made by your life. 
By this we know that we have come to him, that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. You know you've come to know God if you keep his commandments. Now, it's really important at this point to realise what it's not saying. It's not saying this is how you know God. You've come to know God by keeping his commandments. Every other religion in the world, apart from Christianity, actually says that's really how you come to know God. You keep, you live a moral life, you do a whole lot of good things, and then God uh, accepts you. But that's, that's not biblical Christianity. Christianity has never said the way into relationship with God is obedience. Uh, we don't pile up our spiritual brownie points, sort of pile them into the wheelbarrow and wheel them over towards God and say, look, God, look at all these shiny, beautiful things that I've done. I've cared for the poor. I've been really nice to the person who wasn't nice to me. I've given uh, all this time to the church. Look at all the terrible things I haven't done, my shiny care for others. Look at all of that. And God doesn't look down with greedy eyes and say, well, if you bring me more of that kind of thing, I think we might be friends. That's not how it works. Biblical Christianity has always said, you pile up all of your sins, all of the dark things, all the terrible wrongs, every shameful and awful thought and deed that you, and you lug that load to God and you bring it before him and you say, have mercy on me, a sinner. And God looks down with loving eyes and he says, my son, my daughter, I will clean you and wash you and annihilate every last bit of that load that you've brought to me in the death and resurrection of my Christ. And that's really what the baptism was all about. It's people coming and saying, I'm a sinner, I've done wrong, and I trust that Jesus has covered that, has washed me clean so that I can be with him. That's actually what chapter 2 begins with. We didn't read it out in the service, but verses 1 and 2, if you've got it there, say this, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus himself is, is pleading on our behalf. And why can he do that? Because he's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Our sins deserve to be punished. Our sins need dealing with. They need to be brought to an end. The darkness has to be snuffed out by the light. And so he died upon the cross and was the sacrifice for our sins. And not only for us, but for the sins of the whole world. There's enough there to cover the world and transform it. And that's the only reason you're acceptable to God. Uh, because Jesus died for you, took the sin, not because of the good things that you have done. Biblical Christianity has never said the way to come to know God is through obedience. But biblical Christianity has also never said that you do not need to obey. Uh, it's all about which order you're putting it in. 
Do you shine yourself up and make yourself good and come to God and go, look at all the good things that I've done? Uh, no. Actually, what happens is we bring the darkness, God shines his light on us, we trust in him, and that issues in a life of goodness, uh, a life that reflects who he is. Biblical Christianity has never said that you do not need to obey. Uh, indeed, if you truly know God, you will obey him. And so if you're not sure that you know God, John, <coughs> excuse me, John is giving you a little test to check. This is how you know that you've come to know him, if you keep his commandments. Saying, don't just talk the talk. You've got to walk the walk as well. Now, at this point, uh, lots of Christians might despair because you look at that and think, well, the way to know God is to keep his commandments, but to be honest, if I look at my life, I don't always do that. If I look at my life, I know I don't do that. And so if the test is, do I keep his commandments, the answer is no, and then the conclusion I have to come to is, well, do I, do I really know him? For all my, you know, as a minister, ordination, prayer, lifetime in the church, I don't always keep his commandments. So do I know him? Am I one of those of verse 2, the one who pronounces so boldly and publicly, I, I know him, I know God, and yet does not keep his commandments, and therefore, uh, John's words are pretty strong, therefore a liar and the truth is not in me, am I that person? I think as we come to this passage, any careful reader has to ask that question. Well, there's a lot that hangs on that question. For me and for you, do we know God? Because God, knowing God's the only way we can come to eternal life. Everything hangs on it. So if I'm not obeying his commandments perfectly, is John saying, I don't know God at all? Well, let's have a closer look. This is where context is always important. Whenever you hear something in the Bible, you need to make sure that you're reading before and you're reading afterwards because that can help you work out what it means. So if we look at chapter 1, verse 8, we know that John has already said, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John expects the Christian, he's talking to Christians here, he expects the Christian, the one who knows God, will not be entirely free of sin, will to some extent not keep his commandments. That's not like an expectation as in something you should do. No, that's an expectation because he knows we're all fallen and we're not perfected yet. We're not fully with God yet. So what does he mean then when he says, if you claim to know God and not keep his commandments, you're a liar? Well, what John's talking about is he's talking about the, the general direction of your life. Are you going towards God or are you going away from him? And there's really only two directions in life. You are either going towards him or you are going away from him. There's no sitting on the path, not going either way. Uh, no, you're either going towards him or away from him. So a hiker sets off 
uh, I think for this mountain actually it'd need to be a mountaineer, it sets off and they want to go towards the light. They want to go to the peak. They want to go towards God. And so they set off on the path uh, up there to the beautiful top of the mountain. And as she climbs, there are periods where she leaves the path. She finds herself heading somewhat downhill towards the dark valleys. But the general direction is towards the light, the peak. Another hiker sets off downhill towards the gloomy valleys. And there are periods where he turns a little upwards, but the general direction is down and darkness. Now, there's an enormous difference between these two, despite the fact that at times it looks like they're going in the same direction. Enormous difference. The one seeking the peak, the one seeking to know God, will take steps of obedience towards him. And when she does go off the path, will recognise her wrong, repent of it, and set off again towards the peak. The one seeking the darkness, heading towards the valley, will occasionally turn up a little bit, perhaps claim to know God, perhaps do some good things. But the general direction of their life is towards, well, away from God. And when they find they're going further from the peak, they don't repent of it, they'll justify themselves. You might recognise some of these justifications. Uh, I've certainly used some myself. So they might say things like this. This is the only direction I could have taken in the circumstances. Or what really matters is not so much what you do, it's, it's really just about what you believe. Or, you know, times have changed. I'm sure God, if he's a good God, will see it this way now, which is essentially my way now. They don't really know God. The one who knows God keeps his commandments. Verse 6, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way he walked. He's talking about Jesus. You look at the life of Jesus and you want to imitate him. The opponents of the Apostle John claim that they are actually walking in the line. They're doing what they're meant to do. But John says, that's simply not possible. Meerkats are native to the light. They're diurnal, I learned during the week. Uh, they come out during the day. My uh, youngest boy, Micah, is, he loves meerkats, just crazy about them loves the, the, the little creatures of the day. They're so cute. Uh, ghost bats are not cute. Uh, ghost bats are entirely nocturnal. They're native to the night, and you generally only see them in the darkness if you see them at all. Well, John says that love is like a meerkat. It's native to the light. And hate is native to to the night. Verse 9. Whoever says, I'm in the light, while hating a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light. Well, I wonder whether, as you've been here at St. John's, whether you've experienced something of the love of God, whether you've been surprised by the love of other people here. I hope you have. If you're walking in the light, you'll be loving 
your brothers and sisters. This is a community of love. John, indeed, is writing to give us assurance that if you see that love, that affection in your heart, that's one way you can know uh, as you serve one another, as you discover the joys of helping one another when you're in need, it's one way of discovering that you are in the light, that you know God. But he's also writing to take away assurance. If you're hating someone here, you're doing something that is native to the night. And you're blind. You're not seeing yourself truly. And you're not seeing the other truly. If you're seeing yourself in the light of God's love for you, you're actually able to see your own shortcomings. You're able to see that you're not perfect. And that's not going to destroy you because you know God's love for you. And you know that God loves you all the same. He's dispelling that darkness. And you see that whatever the awfulness of others might be, actually you're really just like them, but for the grace of God. And as you look at others in the light of God's love, you recognise they too are people whom God loves enough to die for and he's taking their burdens and restoring them to the fullness of light. And so that changes the way you look at other people. But if you hate, you actually can't see any of that. You're, in the words of John, blind. You can't really see yourself. You can't really see others. And so you don't know where you're going. Jesus said that all of his commandments are summarised in one sentence. And this is really the measure. It's really all you need. It's, in some ways, the touchstone we talked of. He said, it, he said this. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbour as yourself. The real test of whether you know God is whether that is the tenor and the direction of your life. And if you want to know God then that's all you need to know, really. The love of God and that that love flows through you to others. Primarily, gloriously, wonderfully in the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and for new life that begins, can begin today, has in some ways begun today for those who've been baptised and lasts forever. Brothers and sisters, you can know, you can know that you love God, that you know God. You can choose to obey. You can choose to repent and believe by the power of his spirit. You can walk as Jesus walked. You can love your brother and sister here. God has saved you through his Messiah, Jesus Christ, and he cares about what you do. Walk in the light. Love one another. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do love us infinitely, abundantly, wholly, that you know us to the very depths of who we are, all the darkness, and yet you love us, you delight in us, that you came in the person of Christ and that you have died for us 
and risen again so that we might have life, and not just life, but life with you, abundant, free, good, whole. And so, Heavenly Father, help us to know you, not just in our heads, but in our lives, that we may be full of your love, love that comes from you and is for us, but your love that overflows from us in our love for others. Lord, if there's hate in our hearts, help us to bring that to you, that we may know your grace more and more, and so that we, by your Spirit, can be taught to love more and more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.